Welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, today, joined by Tim, the Freedom Baron O'Connor. I'm here, Kevin, and I'm another day older working out in the cold weather. Guys, I just, I, no matter what, this, whatever, this brings me a certain amount of energy. I enjoy what we do, Kevin, and I enjoy the conversations that we have with, with the people in the audience. Um, it's, it's, this is just like, I could do this every day instead of working outside in the freezing cold. Like, this would be better. It does sound nicer, I, I, admittedly. Yeah. You know, that's working out in the cold is is rough. Yeah, and, I, used uh, play, I used to play Fortnite, and then I see all these Twitch streamers. I almost started Twitch streaming Fortnite, right? And this one guy that I played with, he called himself Grumpy Grandpa, and I was like Grumpy Grandpa Trash Bandit. You know what I mean? And like we were kind of buds for a while. This guy's got like a million subscribers on like a Twitch stream, so he just goes and plays. Could have been Fortnite you. All day. Could have been you, man. I could have been, been living that dream. Should have been me. Missed opportunity. You could have, we could have just done a Twitch stream. Still could have done the show. We just, you know, we play video games all doing it. That's yeah. My, when my kid was 11, 10, 11 and 12, he got into watching, like he wasn't even playing video games. He was watching YouTube screamer streamers and Twitch streamers playing video games. Oh, yeah, that's totally a thing. I, I can't believe it. These guys get people send them money while they're playing. It's it's a miracle. It's like I don't know. Screaming idiots playing video games and my kids watching them and thousands and thousands and thousands of other kids are watching them. Every Tim, sounds like you're jealous, man. Sounds like you're jealous. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. It's not too late. All right. So well, uh, Tim's plan to build a large Twitch following aside, we do have some substantive topics to talk about today. It's gonna it's gonna be kind of a rapid fire show, probably yeah. today. I don't know. I mean, y- y'all know how we do it. We uh, we might end up on a topic for, for like thirty minutes, or you know, we we have like I don't know ten things lined up right now. Yeah, a ton of tabs wow. lined up. We'll 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 see what we get to. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk about uh, Tim praising government. Um. I am going to praise government, and you guys have heard me complain about, well, let's save it for the show, but the Oneana parking situation and the parking garage, and, you know, it's wild times. They've got a plan in place that I don't freaking hate. It's weird. It's weird for me. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, um, kind of a uh, a raid on a... uh, unlicensed raw food situation we'll, we'll talk about that yeah uh we got yeah yeah so so we'll talk about that maybe we'll, we'll i got a florida bill lined up that i'm gonna just drop on tim oh beautiful cold and see see what he thinks about that oh those are the best i love it yeah so we'll see what we get to if you have topics other stuff that you want to talk to too again this is gonna be a rapid fire day so yeah there's something out there we'll we'll, we'll just uh we'll just roll with it exploding consumer debt kevin i want i, I want to talk yeah, about consumer debt that's another wow. one so we'll we'll talk about that and then you know last segment maybe we'll, we'll talk about the the aliens down in miami oh we gotta see what it is <laughs> rumbling it up at a mall yeah right <laughs> so it's all, it's all part of the plan tonight folks We'll get to the show in about 15 seconds. But again, you have something uh, you want to talk about, throw it in there. Throw the topic out. Patricia's excited about the aliens. I'm glad. All right. We're going to head in in three, two, one. 
Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. Welcome to A Free Solution. I've got most of today, joined by Tim the Freedom Mary O'Connor. I'm here, bro, and I'm in a weird, weird, and the people, the WISL listeners and our audience out there and in the internet world, I'm in a weird position here, Kevin, because the government has taken on a plan in little old Oneonta, New York, that I absolutely don't hate. It's just, it's, it's, it's awful for me. It's awful. It's an awful. You, you heard it here, folks. Tim is praising a government. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, so here's wow. the thing that I wanted to ask you, Kevin. Like, I, first of all, I've complained about the parking situation in downtown Oneonta for years, much to people not even acknowledging that there is a parking issue in Oneana that the, the old parking garage was beat up and that it was wore out and people didn't want to park there. And it's a quaint little drive through like on route seven, it kind of constricts route seven. And so you can drive down quaint, beautiful little Oneana, New York, but there's no place to pull out to the side of the road and go into a store. Like there's loading and unloading zones. There's three or four spots in a row where you have to parallel park. And this is on a relatively, like Route 7 is a relatively busy street. So it's not like a 30, is it a 30 mile an hour street? It is a 30 mile an hour road, but it's a state route. So people who are trying to travel on Route 7 go through downtown Oneonta. So there are times of the day where there's just lots of cars and parallel parking um, is a challenge, right? And so they've they've built these, I want to call them abutments into the road where they planted trees. And then there'd be three or four parking spots and then another abutment into the road where they planted some more trees and put some benches. It's very attractive. But mm-hmm. what it doesn't allow for is in and out parking that I see in every other small town that I drive through. Like, so. Well, well you know why? Why Go people ahead. do that, like the abutments, it's it's to slow cars down. Sure. Do. I mean, it's not just like an aesthetic thing. It's like that that added visual conflict causes people to slow down. And if they're crossing points, too, like it's safer for pedestrians to cross there. Yeah, there's always right. You're, you're absolutely right. That was the original plan. And certainly the plan, too, um, was to make it more attractive. Right. Which I got to give them credit for. Like, it is a pretty little area. Um so the answer to that issue was to build this parking garage. The parking garage never got maintained properly. They used to try to charge for parking in it. And of course, like, I'm sorry, no one paid. You know what I mean? And then they built a walkway over to the parking garage, which was also attractive, but somewhat intimidating. And I don't know that people ever felt comfortable with it. So what they're doing now is the the parking garage has lived its life expectancy. They're tearing it down. They're getting rid of it. And they're putting in some open air parking at the level of Market Street. 
and they're building what's called a transit hub, um, which is a place the buses now park slightly outside of the main downtown area in front of a, a plaza. And they're going to have the, the, the Oneana public transit park down in the uh, transit hub and they're going to run the Oneana trailways or Greyhound buses through it as well, which is, is a nice improvement in the organization of this situation, especially if where the buses now pull off to the side of the road, they just put off street parking where people can just pull off the, and, and park. Um, mm-hmm. So there's something to this. It's going to cost a massive amount of money. Um, so the issue gets to be, guys, where where does a libertarian stance come in? Like, I've been explaining to them, like, this, this project's probably 15, 20, $25 million. You know what I mean? It's going to be massive. Um, so here's the thing. I think it's going to be an improvement. I think it's going to serve the downtown merchants pretty well. And... I'm like, well, how else would they get this done, Kevin? How else would this have come together with a better downtown plan other than relying on the government for it? Yeah. I mean, there there could have been other private opportunities there, but no one's probably going to do it given the structure, incentives, and regulations that exist for being able to build something like that in private markets. Yeah. Um, unless there's like a lot of volume there, uh, mass transit's tough. Right. Sometimes they exist. Sometimes there there are tourist towns uh, where you can develop mass transit with private sources and do that. You can uh, have I mean, Rochester has like private like open lots and everything, too, although in downtown for better or worse. That's that's a thing that exists there. Um, Does it work? Here's the thing. I always thought that even a private lot down there, um, even if the charge was minimal, if it was situated right and then took out some of the more imposing buildings because Honestly, it it feels very uh You want to de-densify the downtown area? Yeah. Could could I mean bulldoze, you know, bulldoze something off and be like, give me a dollar and you can park here, you know? Well, uh my 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 thought on that is that private companies should do what makes sense with the land, but in like a dense, like downtownish area, parking usually isn't the thing that makes the most sense, right? Like they're both sure private developers and um and governments are going to stand to make more money by building something like bigger and denser there right um and and that's how like a lot of small towns were right it's not it's not even like a a downtown city thing it's like a this is how villages are organized you build around the central central core and uh all the stuff that there is to do exists around this one central place and you kind of have a an easy way to navigate that so like in rochester it's a thing but like Part of it is that at some point in time, there's enough demand for parking because people want to or need to drive downtown that it becomes profitable and worthwhile for someone to say, hey, I need a lot and I'm willing to pay $5 for a couple hours for it. Or I need a secure lot and I'm willing to pay $20, $30 a day for it, whatever it is, right? Right. You know, there's and so two. like it just depends on what the market situation is. And it is entirely possible with, you know, enough demand for private companies to get in this space in fact the city of rochester just sold off one of their garages i think they sold it to the university of rochester um and uh so like that's the thing like the the city's offloading some of its like parking infrastructure and like to me like there is and should be like if you have a limited number of spaces in it like if you have like as much parking as you need like on the street or something right okay then like you're not gonna be able to charge for anything because 
you know, why, right? Like, it, but if you want to limit uh, the 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 incentive for people to park or encourage people to move faster, that's when you charge for stuff. Or you do what sounds like your town's doing is you have everyone park offsite, kind of away from that space that's more valuable, and then yeah. transport them in, which I think is a pretty good idea. And a lot of like, again, a lot of towns do that uh, in the Adirondacks now, both yeah. to get to their like downtownish areas and to get to trailheads because. If you've ever been uh, hiking up in the Adirondacks, um, sometimes there's these trailheads for like great, awesome, you know, hiking trails, going up mountains and stuff. And then there's like two parking spots. Right. right? I've seen them. And uh, so I get where you're coming from. I, I, I haven't painted the picture quite perfectly, though, because there's a part, a piece that I forgot. Um, mm-hmm. There's a demand for free parking. For for downtown Oneonta, because there are some offices. There's some. Of course, there's a demand for free everything, Tim. Sure, everyone loves free stuff. But when it comes to paying for parking, people there's less of a demand for that. Um, But as such, there was a parking lot that had been deeded to the people of Oneonta from the Wilbur Bank, um, which now turned into Community Bank family, deeded them this massive parking lot, and the city of Oneonta decided that um, the people of Oneonta wanted artist lofts and low-income housing in that free parking lot that was not terribly inconvenient. So they had a parking garage. They took this parking lot, put housing in it. Um, There were businesses around the parking lot. Oneana did it? Like it was like a a city decision? Yeah, government decision. Government Government built low housing, you know, low income housing and artist loft style. um, Or did they sell it to a developer who decided that that was the best use of that land? It was a combination of like the government was substantially involved in it. There was rezoning that had to happen. They partnered with the developer, if I understand it correctly. And right. Well, is it one of those things like we will sell you this land on the condition that you build some affordable housing type of deal? Correct. I think that yeah. that would be the most accurate way to to assess that. But it was like big, like Peter Obrocker went down for the ground baking. All of the the local politicians went down for the ground baking because it was quite a governmental accomplishment to get this developer that land. Right. Like that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. They're all very proud of themselves and very much patting themselves on the back. Um, yeah, I mean. All right, like Tim, it's like, what what do you want? Do you want government subsidized housing or do you want government subsidized parking? Right, like technically, right. I don't want either. I don't want either. I want people to be free to rent their houses out with with an agreement in place that protects landlords and tenants. But we've talked about that enough on this show. Yes. Yes. Um, All right. Well, we'll 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 kill the zoning and the rental (laughs) landlord conversation. We'll kill that Mm -hmm. nip in the bud here. But yeah. Um. You know, get like it's in neighborhoods, Kevin, which the, apparently that sets the city of Oneana on fire. OK, like if someone wants to open a coffee shop in the neighborhood, there's a big, huge public debate about it and people get at each other's throats. So oh, I, that's that's the thing. I mean, listen, it, it's it's everywhere. Like it's a thing in in my neighborhood, which, again, I live in a walkable neighborhood in the city of Rochester and people lost their minds over a hair salon turning into a coffee shop because, oh, what if too many people park here? Guys, we live in the city. It's for goodness sakes. Like people park on the street here. We're not afraid of parallel parking. Well, most of us ain't. I, I'm just always aghast and flabbergasted at the, the overwhelming res- negative response when somebody wants to open a business in a neighborhood where 
there's already kind of commercial enterprises, right? There's schools that, that are there. There's a church that's there. They're like, there's doctor's offices nearby. The downtown is a block away. It's like, okay, what? I don't understand why we've got to freak all the way out about this, but okay, you, you win, thing? you know? And luckily I don't live in the city of Oneonta, so I can just sit back and criticize them. <laughs> um, excuse me. But one of the things we got to, the, the libertarian solution would have been, yes, at some point a private developer could have developed that land in, in just, this situation. And you pointed just, at- Just um, land. That's the land. So the private developer will do what makes the most sense for that. And that might be parking. And some people are going to be mad about that. And that might be apartments. And some people are going to be mad about that. Yeah. No. What, what you did a good job was nailing the problem with, with the mass transit situation. Because what happens regularly, Kevin, is- I'm, they they have bus routes that go all over the county from this local hub. And for whatever reason, maybe it's just the time of day. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but they run big, huge, empty buses hours and hours and miles and miles a day. And it's like, it can't just be luck. There's got to be an issue where the buses are pretty empty and that we are kind of somehow subsidizing empty buses to go from Oneana to Cooperstown. I I could never understand how the buses in the Utica Rome area were at all profitable. Yeah, it never made sense to me. Like for a little while, there's like a like a a bus near the business park near my house, and I was like, "There's no way there's enough people doing that because ninety percent of that space around there is parking lots that are filled. Like who's taking the bus? Like maybe maybe what three or four people a day? Like no way that that like makes sense." They're, they're um, unless but but a lot of but a lot of transit agencies like and, and i've interestingly enough been in like a a non-profit like meeting with a transit agency board like they're, they're explicitly like sort of built around the idea of like this is a service to help the poor rather than this is a service to move as many people as possible and right. and sometimes that thinking i think ends up making it so that they're model becomes inherently unprofitable um they they almost yeah i mean it would be hard for them to make money their goal would have to be to to, to find money to subsidize routes that they can claim are helping poor people um uh, yeah because if a private developer did it there would be one bus run and it would go from downtown oneana up to the colleges and over to walmart and it would just make that route all day long about every 45 minutes and that would actually make money because there are always kids that need to go downtown people that want to go to walmart and then people that want to come back from walmart and then kids that want to go back up to campuses you you see what i'm saying like yeah right no that's that's a thing right i mean it's funny that's like it's also like a thing here but like the the local colleges like i think u of r and rt both have like their own like bus service they they might have like integrated with uh rts at this point but yeah that makes sense for folks who are less likely to have cars and not going to bring the car on campus or people just need to get to walmart and around some of the populated areas great yeah you know like i mean a they, thing. they could stop at the mall too you know even though our yeah, mall right. is pretty much half dead but you know like they they could include the mall in the loop and that would that would be one bus non-stop cycling 14 hours a day and it would probably make bank yeah and you know if you could if you could do that like that'd be great but probably no one will jump into that market because they're like well if it ever becomes profitable this government subsidized entity would just 
jump in and offer the same thing and undercut them. So why take the risk? Yeah. So so we do have some comments out there, Kevin. If if like yeah yeah, let's let's throw some comments. Out. Um, apparently, the situation in Oneana is not unique to Oneana. Like, there's a huge parking issue in in Plattsburgh as well. Thank you, Patricia Blanchard. I think yeah. you pointed but, but, to Patricia, that. like the defined parking issue, as in like you don't feel like there's enough parking. Yeah, like I, yeah, like t- t- leave a comment, tell us about it. Um, all right, because like it's it's one of those things where I I used to think that about like Rochester too, and I'm like, oh, there's not enough parking, and then you look at like the land area, like how much land area in Rochester is parking, and it's like it's like half of it, like it's it's a lot of land area. It's kind of crazy, like when you think about it. Yeah, I think I think when we one of the things I get into is one of the reasons why I've I've, I've extolled the virtues of Walmart in the past is because of the absolute convenience of being able to pull into a spot, see the door that I'm walking to and and go in there. And if I want to wait for a closer spot, I can get a closer spot. If I want to, like, take that hike across the lot, I can park farther away, but I can see where I'm going. It's very comfortable and it provides easy access to a multitude of goods. I think that that's one of the many ways that Walmart wins is this convenience of parking that they offer. Um, no, I mean, it is right. And, you know, like, and again, as a private business, like I get it. Um, you know, I, it's just one of those things where like you you start to think about in areas where you have enough people to like kind of get around on your own, to have stuff near you, to have like a mass transit system that's, that's profitable. It's, uh, it starts to seem kind of odd, like how much space ends up getting taken up by a, a spot to put your car rather than just a spot to like have another business yeah. uh, sometimes these are again government owned places too so uh in, and I'll, I'll i'll share this thing uh which which is interesting this is this is rochester's map this is downtown rochester uh and all that red area is parking right like wow. so it's, it's a huge amount of space it looks great on a map but like does it actually work you know what i mean that's my question well and people still complain about like not enough parking but like there's there's a ton of parking yeah, well, I think and, and and people want free parking too, but yeah. like I'm like, man, you're not owed government subsidized parking either because if you have private land or even government owned land, like, okay, this is a thing that costs money to maintain. You're not owed this subsidized parking. Like, that's yeah. that's my libertarian position on it. Like, parking should cost money. Uh, so c- that's fair, right? And if it was convenient, I would pay money to park in downtown, right? Like it would it would work. I, I want. I think there's this parking versus walking, and I I want my parking to not include a long walk to whatever store I'm going. To. You want to? Yeah. Sense. See, there's there's parking. You just don't want to have to walk for three minutes. Correct. To, to get to wherever you're going. Three. Tim. Days. Yeah. That just gotta be honest. It just sounds kind of lazy to me, man. I'm yeah. Just... No, that's fair. It's it, it is a. Com- <laughs> I mean, if I you're if you're it... not like able-bodied, I get it, but uh, yeah, I, don't I, would, know. I would call it an issue of convenience, Kevin. You know what I mean? Not yeah. so much lazy. And Patricia did respond to us. She said, uh, not enough parking, trying to take the only large parking lot for high-rise apartments. So similar to what's going on. Now it's parking meters being put in at the end of the street, and you have to walk to the end of the block to pay. Yeah, they're they're forcing you to be healthy. I hate them for that. Yeah, I mean, like, that, that's kind of like, there, there's no reason for that anymore. Like, you can have parking meters, and you could have it all on, like, an app and stuff now, too. Like, it's just, yeah. it's there's easier ways to do it. Um, like, I, I saw, like, City of Auburn has something like that, too. You just download an app, and you... Okay, you say I'm at this spot, and then you pay for it on on your phone, and you know it's it's like buck fifty or something. It's not a lot. Um, 
But anyway, we do have to head to break now. Thanks again for joining us here on a free speech on WSL. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Joker Gamer says Walmart don't care about their workers. Here's the thing. They care enough to help them calculate out how to maximize their government benefits in addition to their working for Walmart. So they do, in fact, care about them. They care about helping them have the easiest life possible. And they literally set up in areas where their business model can make that happen, where there's a lot of people that are, are have subsidized income that might want to work 10 to 20 to 30 hours a week and not lose their benefits. Now, that takes us to a discussion of the welfare cliff. Kevin and I have talked about it on other shows. Yeah. We'll talk about it on other shows in the future. Um, but but they do care, and they care a lot because they want low-wage workers who are willing to not make a lot of money and come in and work while having a, a little bit of a social experience. Like, literally, it's part of their game plan. They're literal logistic geniuses on so many levels. They're logistical geniuses on employing people. They're logistical geniuses on supplying goods and services. They're, they're, it's wild. So Vince says, and I wanted to do this one on the radio show, nobody has been to Oneonta, Tim. That's why nobody cares. And then yet Vince reveals that he has in fact been to Oneonta because doesn't everyone have to walk through the lobby of a random building to get to their parking garage to Main Street? That was exactly the situation of That's weird. the parking garage. So Vince says nobody goes to Oneana, but in fact, Vince has been to Oneana. Yeah. <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> um, let's see. What, what was the other one I was going to... Patty called me out on uh, welfare. Uh, welfare. I'm sorry, Patty, because welfare was a general term. But yeah, SSI, there's lots of benefits... Yeah. That Walmart works to balance out for for its employees. Absolutely, SSI, all that stuff. SSDI, yeah. yes. Thank you. Oh, by the way, it is Patricia Blanchard's birthday. She is sixty three, and she got herself a new tattoo. Happy birthday! Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one com one more comment from Patricia: Trees aren't uh, only nice to look at; they do lower temps in the cities, but they need to be placed properly and cared for properly, unless indigenous to that area. Yeah, that's part of it. Um, and that's why Rochester's spending like $3 million on trees this year. Thanks. And Chuck they have Schumer. Chuck Schumer to thank for that, Kevin. But yeah, good old Chuck. He, he brought yes. home the bacon from the federal government. and the, did for trees. Was it the, I'm a fan of trees, too. I'm just like, I don't know. This this seems a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, they, they can be good. They can be like people can do dumb things with them, too, or, or, or pick trees that are uh, messy. Yeah. Um, we have, we have, our, our streets here are lined with Norwegian maples. Now, Norwegian maples are a very interesting tree. They're very hardy. They grow aggressively. And then once they get to be big, like if there was one, they would look kind of beautiful. But since there's a bunch of them and they've been chopped up for the power lines to go through and stuff like that, we have these big, huge, massive Norwegian maple trees all over my tree-lined street that honestly... They could all get cut down, and I would be just as happy. They're they're oppressive. They're the trees are oppressing me. They're oppressive. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Tim is being oppressed by trees. 
by trees. Uh, to tell that to Chuck Schumer, uh, he doesn't care. You, you'll get another three million dollars to cut him down. Yeah, uh, that would be a um, good price to get him cut down. Yeah, I, uh, maple syrup from Norwegian maple trees is actually pretty delicious, though. It, it takes on a kind of a caramel flavor, huh. a little bit less mapley and more caramely, but it's it's still absolutely delicious. Yeah, I, I gotta try it sometime. I, I got a, I got a, uh, we call it a, a spile. Is that that we call those things? The things you you, you hit into the tree, uh, maple tree to like yes. get the, the the stuff out. Um, I got one from one of the local buy nothing groups, and like I have not used it yet. Like, you got there's, yeah, there's a bunch of maple trees. Like there's there's a couple in my backyard, and there's also some of the park next door, which I don't think anyone would bother me if I, you know, did that. Yeah, um, I, Kevin, listen, like. Honestly, all you want to make is a like a half a gallon, right? A spile. Yeah. File. Right. Yeah. And like one tree, one good sized tree, you can get a half a gallon of syrup. It takes forever to boil off the syrup. Like it takes right. it's like an all day activity. Right? I mean, well, like I got all day. Uh, all day. It takes more than all day. Trust me. It's forever. Well, listen, like I can go in my backyard. I have like a propane tank and I have one of those like uh like propane like not stove things, but like a, like okay. a what do you call it? like a stand sure. uh, in a in a massive pot. So like yeah. I can just sit out there and drink beer and let the the, the stuff boil off and stir. You know, like a... oh my god, yeah. No, you're talking. You're just I about four years ago I made about four gallons of maple syrup with like from the Norwegian trees, and then I got a couple sugar maples on my little tenth of an acre at my lake, and uh, at my shop, I've got a big, huge sugar maple, and the guy across the street from my shop let me tap a couple of his trees, and then I mixed in some of the Norwegian maples, and I made like four gallons of syrup, but I boiled sap for, I don't know, 300 hours? I'm not sure. It was <laughs> wild. Just like days. Was wild. I was just like sitting at my shop. I built a, um, that was back when Nailed It was a big thing, right? And people would build stuff and post a picture of it. So, yeah. and like somebody would make a beautiful cake and then someone would do an imitation of that cake. And they'd be like, look, I nailed it. It would be like a 12th, like a two year old made it. And yeah. that was the exact kind of set boiler that I built. I'm like, nailed it. Nice. It was out of level. It was just like just enough room to throw. I was throwing brush in it that from my shop, it was, I don't know. It was so much fun though. I don't even know what, like, it was great. Nice. Love it. Uh, all right. Well, we, we should we should probably head back. We might better, yeah. We might better. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about we'll talk about the uh, that uh, food raid situation and maybe yeah. consumer debt. Let's see where we get famous, to. Famous, famous. Oh no, that's not who it is. But yeah, but um, yeah. Then we'll we'll go back in about fifteen seconds. Keep leaving your comments. Appreciate all of y'all leaving the stuff. Uh, number one fan, Patricia, right on. <laughs> Thanks for being here. All right, we're going to head back in three, two. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, here for today, joined by Tim, the Freedom Marion O'Connor. I'm here, and, Kevin. And we've got a horrible, egregious situation in Pennsylvania near Lancaster to talk about. All right. Tell us about it. Well, going on? anarchist Amos, the Amish guy who has a food club outside of Lancaster. And look, a food club is like where people buy shares 
or go shopping directly from a local farmer who sometimes buys some of his goods, but tries, puts in a good effort at, at producing a lot of his own food to put on his shelves. Uh, mm -hmm. So Amos has been in trouble a couple of times for not filing the proper paperwork with the Pennsylvania authorities. Um, and now recently the, uh, the power of the government came down on him, Kevin, and closed up his shop and took all of his inventory because of a report of an E. coli infection in an underage individual. And guys, I right. look, well, I, yeah. apparently a couple it's in two different, two other States, apparently. Right. But that that's, is that his food or is this just happened in other places? I was a little bit unclear from the link. The article in the Lancaster Patriot. Lancaster Online, yeah, that's that's one of the ones I'm looking at too. Uh, like it, it seemed like that was, um, it, it seems like it was from them. That that's what I understood it to be. Okay, um, so basically, um, I'm and, always yeah. skeptical when big government comes in and seizes food with. So the allegations are specified, but the person is not specified. So when they when they fall back on an underage person reporting a sickness, I, I just anyways, I'm skeptical. I think that Amos is in their crosshairs and I think that it's because he didn't want to file the proper paperwork. Yeah, it says that the, I'll, I'll quote from this newspaper again, Lancaster Online, it says, uh, the department said Miller does not have a state permit to sell raw milk, nor is registered as retail operation with the state. So he's just, uh, he's just selling stuff. It's just, <laughs> which, just you know, our, our you know I, I have, I have a bit of uh, a soft spot for it. I, I get it. Yeah. Our man, Thomas Massey took a stand. Um, looks like Amos Miller's farm is being raided with all the problems in society today. This is what the government wants to focus on. A man growing food for informed customers without participating in the industrial meat milk complex. It's shameful right. that it comes to this. Um, yeah, I mean, so, that, that that resonates with me. You, probably you guys could have guessed that, you know? So, I mean, this this is like uh, kind of a classic, like, libertarian... Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher the Latin pronunciation of this phrase. Caveat emptor. So sure. That's how I say it. But buyer beware, right? Right. So should you be able to go and take a risk to buy a product that you know might have some risk associated with it, right? Like buying raw milk, right? Yeah. The fact of the matter is that a lot of people used to get sick constantly from drinking raw milk because cows are kind of filthy, right? Like it's it's just they're what it is. That's, they're a little bit dirty, right? That's what it is. And so that's why most milk consumed nowadays is pasteurized. But some people don't like that for various reasons, right? Like they, they think it might destroy some, you know, flavor or, you know, vitamins or, or whatever in it, right? And they say they have the right to be able to to sell milk or to buy that milk. And then therefore people have the right to sell that and they are willing to take on that risk. So Tim, you, we I think you and I probably agree, like adults at least have a the ability to do that, right? You should be able to, make voluntary transactions or do things even when you know there might be a risk involved. Absolutely. A absolutely. Sure. Like, yes, drinking raw milk is, is a discretionary um, behavior, right? Like 
you can choose to drink raw milk because you believe the benefits from non-pasteurized milk most likely outweigh the risks, right? So you're saying, right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the cream and make it and put it in my coffee. You're going to do some fun things with it. It's a risk you're willing to take, but you're taking a risk. It is. Yeah. It's relatively low risk, but you're taking the risk, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's, there's risk and all sorts of stuff. There's also risk in like, you know, eating a raw steak too. Right. The same sure. thing. Right. Like, which, you know, I, I, I've had a, I've had a steak, like, you know, like blue rare before. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good, yeah. right? Like it's you know, like that that's my thing. And I know that like that that is a risk to doing that now. Um and and I'm I'm willing to take it. So I, I think like that's that's a pretty like baseline libertarian position because we'll say that about raw milk, we'll say that about uh drugs, uh too. You know, it's like yeah. okay, you're buyer beware, like you're taking a risk buying this. Um and, and you are deciding that the, the benefits outweigh the risk. Okay, sure. Um I've also had this conversation with. I'm trying, oh man, I'm gonna blank on the name now. It's a, but there there's a group that like felt that helmet laws for motorcycles are unconstitutional, and uh, a, a New York debate, I think, is is what it was called. And um, I have no idea if they're still around, but same thing. That was the thing. Like, well, we don't want to wear helmets, and that's our right. And I'm like, well, yeah, no, I guess right. That's 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 your thing. Uh, I, I think it does get trickier though if. You know, like who is who is responsible if someone does feed this to a child and the child gets sick, right? Is the seller responsible? Should they have made their product safer? Are the parents responsible for imposing that risk on their child? I think that's that's where people start to go, Oh, government, someone needs to do something for the children, right? Like sure. and I'm not I'm not even being like sarcastic about this one. This is like we don't want to see kids get sick with stuff. What do we do about it? Right. And and for the children is has cost us all so much freedom and so many dollars right. in taxes when in fact a lot of times it ends up being just for the government. But I accept the point you're trying to make. Like I and it's actually valid. So who is responsible? And I'm gonna say that the parents are responsible. They're responsible. They provided the raw milk to their child. And now that that goes past me already kind of questioning the, the narrative being offered by the government. Um, right. So, but yeah, I, and like for 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 the sake of this argument, we're just assuming everything's on the up and up. And I have no idea. Like the underage person got. For all I know, they're a seventeen-year-old who bought it. I, I have no idea. Like I don't right. have the context of this. Um, you know, like should a seventeen-year-old be able to to buy raw milk? Well, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, but like again, it, it does get a bit different if you're you're giving raw milk to like a five-year-old and then the five-year-old gets sick, like. Yeah, but but also like I know like same thing can happen with a bunch of other food too. Um, it's just what level of risk are like you willing to take for like get is it is it acceptable to give sushi to you know a young child, right? Like at what age is that fine? Dude, there's there's some risk involved in that. I eat sushi constantly. There's there's some risk involved in in doing that. Right, and they can't take they can't arguably make an informed decision, right? Like yeah, because of their age, so. It, it it is a challenge, but I'm also like, this is food. Your farmer doesn't want to make you sick. Uh, as long as there was no major consequences, should and look, a case of E. coli can be major, but if it's caught soon enough, like most likely, we're going to recover, right? Like yeah. it's not going to be this long term big deal. So, does the government have the right to seize Amos's property, or 
like what 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 is the best yeah. role? Like we're certainly hitting conundrums tonight with the libertarian credo. Right. I know. I mean, like to to me, like like it starts to to jump into are they being like intentionally or like not I guess intentionally negligent, sort of a oxymoron there but like are they being like reckless in like their food preparation stuff all right like yeah and then where do you draw that line um you know or are they being fraudulent with stuff right are they telling people their safety procedures but then lying about them okay like that type of stuff like crosses into line of legitimate government action um but like again if you want to have like a raw milk product and you you care about the quality and you care about like you know that your customers are satisfied should you be able to do that knowing that there's some risk of that taking place yeah probably and yeah. you know now Brian, Brian on Facebook says I've consumed hundreds of gallons of raw milk right out of the tank never got sick yeah man it's and and for a lot of people probably not right again it's just a matter of like is it worth rolling the dice for you again like I, I'm I'm in a situation where my wife's pregnant she has to debate like uh is it they tell pregnant people not to eat cold cuts right and she's like okay yeah there's some small risk if i eat cold cuts uh i could get sick and that could be really bad is it worth the risk maybe maybe not right like everyone has to make that decision on their own should it be a, right. there be a law against selling pregnant people like subs no no that's that, that's yeah. dumb like they they there should not be a law against that um but well, like steal that idea kevin and be like you know, i know like that's, that's gonna be like kathy hogel's gonna come out like in a few weeks and <laughs> say like we need it. to protect expectant uh you know uh pregnant people and we're going to ban selling subs to to pregnant people uh i i apologize to my wife when that happens uh if she is craving a sub <laughs> Yeah. Before my next child is here. Oh, it's 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 wild. So I'm I'm against them seizing Amos's property. I would like it to be uh, certainly Amos's lawyer has made the case that it's a um, a malicious act based on his um, desire to not participate with the governmental regulatory process that might surround what he is doing. Um, right. And I find those those pieces of of the puzzle to be compelling to me, um, as as always. Like to be fair, you know, like so. I don't know, man. I, I get it. I get what you're saying. I get the, I get the conundrum there, and and so I don't know. Should we deal with another conundrum? I don't know maybe. I I, I want to get this this one. Uh, Patricia on YouTube says I make fresh apple cider at home and bottle it. It's my risk that it will turn to vinegar and or explode if it's there long enough. Yeah. Next, I like I've I've done that too. I've that like done the the apple pressing and everything, and uh, turned that into cider with mixed success. I actually did have bottles explode on me, <laughs> <laughs> so you know I I messed that up a bit. But like, I mean, I I drank the raw cider too, which is drinking raw cider after like it just being like pressed is is a risk. It absolutely but, like, is. I've I've you know, made apple cider as well, and the way that we make it. I am sure that it's a risk. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like in college, like we we there's someone with a cider press, and there's a bunch of like it's down on Cuyahoga Lake, and there's you know we went apple picking, we got a bunch of apples, and we decided to make cider. Yeah, you know. So those those presses, those places that run those presses like that, generally do a good job of washing the apples. They have a treatment before they crush the apples and grind them and give you. Oh yeah. Professional places. We, to be clear, we were a bunch of dumb college students and absolutely did not do that correctly. Oh, good. Um, (laughs) 
we like kind of like ran him over the sink briefly and we're like we sort of hosed off a little bit this wooden press uh so like yeah that was oh oh i misunderstood we have a, a local place that makes apple cider and you can bring like bushels and bushels of apples and they will wash them for you and give you back cider in return so i thought it was oh no 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 this was us like, like making it on the front lawn of the college uh after going and getting apples from like a local orchard Oh, I love um, it. That's, that's great. That's a, like, the local is like the local share farm there. And so we could, you know, pick apples. And we, you know, you, you just take what you, you want and found there's a, a, a place called the greenhouse that had a, a, a wooden cider press and we just made them out there and then drank the raw cider. That's wonderful. And how'd you guys make out? Uh, we lived, we lived, um, survived. All right. Yeah, we survived. I mean, I, I think someone also did try to turn that into alcoholic cider in their dorm room, too. Uh, but I think it was unsuccessful. They just made vinegar. So that yeah, that that works, too. Vinegar works. Yeah. Um, Kevin, look, I, I, I oftentimes we get on economic issues and I don't know how much time we have left in the uh, excuse me, like a minute segment. and a half. How much? Like a minute and a half. All right. So I, for the next segment, I want to talk a little bit about to the WSL audience and to people in general about a, a hidden level of consumer debt and, and the the reality of, of consumer debt that we're facing. And I think that it's important to talk about these things regularly, uh, regularly mention the lies behind Bidenomics. And the real crisis is that the American people are facing. And I think that for the next segment of the show, that and guys, Elon Musk got caught doing drugs. Like, I think it's pretty important. Right. To you know, I almost forgot about Elon doing drugs, too. That was also on our topic list. <laughs> uh, Elon on drugs, which could get in trouble because he has government contracts where the employees receiving these uh, these contracts and these grants are prohibited from doing drugs uh, so. and he has his own employee contracts that and he's an employment employee of spacex and tesla that forbid in their agreements using drugs right so well that's that's awkward it uh is. so on that note though we are going to head the break thanks again for joining us here on the free solution at wysl we're going to be back in just a few minutes talk to you soon Interesting uh, time, Kevin. Brian says, newsflash, alcohol is a drug. What? Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, Brian. <laughs> it, it is, in fact, a drug. <laughs> so is caffeine, for that matter. Um, and so is nicotine, I imagine. It is. It's all drugs. It's all, like, better living through chemicals. We all do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So should the drugs that Elon Musk is doing be something he is punished for and I, I guess we should probably just jump right back into i think so the show think right so. like we'll just we'll just get right back into it because I, I don't know what we're going to talk about during break so we'll head back in and at 47 here and take yeah just a one minute break Head back yeah. in three two a free solution Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson. Today, joined by Tim, the Freedom Variant O'Connor. 
So before the break, Kevin, I was alluding to a situation that has me, as as an economics major, though not an active economics guy, but I do, I do read economic literature. I do think about economic situations. I do try to get people to understand the real costs of inflation, the real costs of government distortions in the market. And so now we're onto this, basically a hidden. First of all. I get I get spinning in circles, and so I apologize. But credit card debt has hit over one trillion dollars. All right, consumer credit card debt. Now that number's massive. It yeah. it's brought on by the government response to COVID, the ensuing inflation, the fact that people who who even are having a good live, you know, are making a good living have lost buying power incrementally over the years. So they're falling back on credit card debt. So now there's these new things and probably you guys have seen them, but you can go online and start to order something and they're like, hey, do you wanna buy this now and pay later? Where you break up your payments like into mm-hmm. one or two or three, you know, like different payments for a, a relatively expensive item. And people are jumping all over it now the problem with it is kevin one of the many problems first of all i i eschew debt i try to avoid it i, I but i understand that occasionally right. you have to take it on um but it allows for impulse buying that does not affect your credit score and then your overall level of consumer debt is actually underreported so we're sitting on a time bomb i feel like of unreported consumer debt that at some point has to constrict real consumption and real demand like right or yeah, if you got to pay off all these things and like some of these like that you know they have they have strict terms to still pay them back even though like they have like kind of a quick credit check they do that like um because i you know i've worked in marketing i've worked in e-commerce and stuff and that's a big thing right like hey you know we, we put these things in and suddenly people are buying two three more shirts like sure. per cart right like it's a big thing and like okay and then from the client customer's point of view they're like well, you know, I was going to put this on my credit card, but like this is 0% interest. So like, what's the harm? I'll just pay this off over four months. And like, right. so you get with like t-shirts and you get it with like, you know, camping supplies and you get it with pizzas now. Like I've seen like, like was I've been yeah. like Domino's or something like you, get, you could finance a pizza, which is hilarious, but also kind of sad. Like, yeah, no, you shouldn't. It's brutally sad, I think. I think it speaks to the fact that disposable income is under siege and it's under siege from from the rampant inflation and some of the hidden inflation that doesn't make it to the official government numbers on what they present is the actual inflation rate. All right. So mm-hmm. things like food, things like pizza, the the real change in prices got crazy expensive. What's that? Pizza's gotten crazy expensive to be fair. But those things aren't really uh, like calculated into the official government stance on what inflation is. It's not there, right? Because it's a consumer good and it's food. So they don't, they don't, they don't put it in there. It's kind of sneaky, really. Yeah. Wings did go down a a bit though from, from their COVID peak. What did? Wings. Oh, good. Thank wings, wings, wings were insane for a little bit. They're just uh, absolutely ridiculous. They're still ridiculous, but like just just less bad than the the great wing shortage when you know <laughs> the uh, great wing shortage of twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one, and we're finally yeah. recovering. So that that's, that's good news. The chickens are are back. 
Um, and so, but yeah, no, I mean, like all, all that stuff like adds up, right? And, I, and I'm sort of caught like where I'm, I'm generally like, I try to be optimistic about stuff and I try to fairly evaluate like some of the economic numbers that say, you know, on paper things are good, right? But but you, you have some good points, right? Okay, but consumer debt is going up. People are still feeling like things are good because there's, despite higher interest rates, like there's still relatively easy access to credit. And then you have these other like credit services that are not exactly outside of that system, but but somewhat outside of it. Yeah. You know, where people are racking up debt for like, again, all these these small things, right? It's uh, the, you know, the, the clothing, the the pizzas, the, you know, whatever like retail stuff they want to buy that exists on top of possibly very high credit card debt as well. Um, and, and no, uh, Patricia L says uh, on YouTube, Renna Center type businesses are also booming. Um, yeah, which, which is another thing like Renna Center, like that, those type of businesses where like people are just buying on installments or whatever, right? Like it's, it seems really good. It seems like a good deal for someone that is paying all this stuff out until suddenly something goes wrong. The economy does hit a bump and then that all collapses, right? It ends up being very, very fragile. It, that's, that's the issue. And, and we see, well, we see a little bit of insanity and a lot of authoritarianism in our government. And we saw the response to COVID and what will happen if they come up with something else or or some other even more legitimate situation arises i it, it would be kind of a financial disaster really you know on the scale of yeah. what happened in 2008 where two two million people lost their homes you know like a lot of people basically if we take a look at consumer debt and the size of it a lot more people are actually living on the edge than what we think or what we're we're led to believe by government statistics right so even at one trillion dollars if the overall rate of income is it can meet the payments on that but we have another 500 billion in hidden buy now pay laters which just as an example one disaster one bump in the road can create a calamity where uh, people a wreck their credit B, I don't know, like, do I, would I feel bad if like American Express loses out? I don't know. You know what I mean? But there could be real financial implications that could snowball into a legitimate mess, I guess is how I would say it. Yeah, right. Um, that's it'd be a thing. Again, if a bunch of people have this hit like at once, right, it, it starts to have like these cascading effects, which is in a a different way, because, you know, 2008 was more of a, a mortgage back security thing that sort of ended up exacerbating a whole bunch of other fragilities in the economy. Sure. Um, this, this could be like a, you know, a consumer credit bubble type thing that, you know, get a couple bumps happen. Suddenly people who have been making it work by like stacking payment on payment and, you know, adding on new debt and like just doing this like debt cycle, like, and, and, gonna, yeah. and if you've not had like a lot of money before, anyone who's like lived like that, like, and has like lived like, okay, just pay off this credit card, pay off this loan and then do this. And then, okay, that can get another loan to finance this. That's the thing that people do when you don't have a lot of money. Like I get it. I've been there. Um, and it's just, it ends up being precarious because you're, you're, you're walking a tightrope with those things. And if too many people are walking those tightropes and everything, uh, 
false at once, that's that's when you get the big issues. Yeah, and look, when you break when you break your consumer debt rating, it, everything else becomes more expensive. Like even if interest rates go down on home purchases, you're not going to be eligible for lower interest rates on your home purchase. Like, right? It, it will. So that's where Fair I risk. got into why it could create this major disaster, right? Like banks will be unwilling to lend under any kind of acceptable interest rates. People will like on the margin may lose their house because they can't somehow at some point, somebody's going to have to pay the piper. They're going to win a judgment against the consumer. The credit card companies are going to win judgments against the consumer. They're not going to be able to bankrupt as easily their way out of it. It, it could turn into a real mess. Mm-hmm. So good. more important, well, Kevin, Elon Musk has been talking about Elon drugs. Yeah, he sure has. I mean, didn't he, didn't he smoke a blunt on Joe Rogan like a while back? Uh, look, literally hanging out with Joe Rogan, you're going to be doing drugs. Like that guy talks about tripping all the time. Like if you ever, I don't know if you guys listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I do occasionally because I've been driving a lot for work. Um, and he talks about all sorts of hallucinogenic situations. And like if you hang out with that guy a lot, first of all, I'm sure he's o- occasionally experimenting with them. And certainly Elon Musk obviously is influenced by Joe Rogan or something. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's not like you have to do drugs on that. Like he has tons of guests, right? Like probably most of whom don't consume drugs with him. I know some do, but uh I mean Elon I Musk has just kinda like talked about this stuff, bragged about this stuff a little bit. Um at least that's what he's accused of. And then on, on Joe Rogan's show it sure seemed like he was smoking a blunt. So um yeah, so Elon has drawn the line, Kevin, and said that he's been drug tested numerous times and has passed every single drug test with flying colors. So there's literally no proof. Yeah. I, well, you know, like we, we'll, we'll define what the problem is. The problem is that, like, he has government contracts that say the employees aren't supposed to consume any illegal drugs. And yeah. and you had mentioned over the break, too, that he has, uh, you know, the his his own employee contracts saying that yeah. he can't do that. So if he is doing that, like, because to me, like my, my take on like drug use and professionalism is like, OK, if you can still do your job effectively, that's that's fine. Like you do you on your own time. Like if you can't do your job effectively or you're putting someone in danger, then that's not OK. Um, Correct. Uh, so like that's my general take on it, but he's under contract saying that like you can't do that. So, yeah, P- Patricia makes a point out there that I'd like to share with everybody that um, microdosing hallucinogens like LSD, magic mushrooms, and things like that well, it... are actually being used regularly, and it seems to be a growing industry in in um, psychotherapy. What's the thing with like uh, ketamine too, like ketamine yeah, has ketamine. like therapeutic purposes. Now again, I don't know if that's why. You know, Elon Musk may or may not be consuming that particular drug, but uh, it is used in in some therapeutic purposes now. Yeah. So, and, and apparently, with with the, as the data comes in, with with good results at lowering anxiety, with good results at at increase, you know, combating depression. I think those are the two things that that these microdoses and these hallucinogens seem to work with is combating depression and alleviating anxiety i'm i use alcohol to alleviate my anxiety so i don't know about the hallucinogens 
Yeah, that's uh, certainly a method of doing things. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of drugs, uh, let's talk about because we have like less than three minutes left. Let's All talk right. about Miami. Um, oh, we've got it. <laughs> but Tim, did you see the aliens in Miami? Did you Did you I, see them? Did you? I I don't have to see them to know that they exist, Kevin, because people are tweeting about them all over the place on the free speech platform sponsored by the hallucinogenic user in chief, Elon Musk. Oh, listen, speaking of Elon, too. Yeah, yeah it's like right full circle, man. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So that's I. Yeah, I saw some stuff about this. Um, what's funny is like my family who's down in Miami, like uh, visiting right now, or they're just like hanging out there. They're going on a cruise. I was like, "All right, guys, you see the aliens? You give me the the scoop." They did not. Um, they did not. Uh, they didn't see the aliens. They weren't around. But uh, supposedly they they were aliens, and that's why. Like, I don't know if you saw the pictures of it. It, it was kind of wild. There's like hundreds of police cars uh at like a single event did you did you see the photos in the videos of that no i did not yeah so that's why people are like oh this is you know they're saying it's just a fight but is is it really just a fight why would there be that many police cars for just a fight well aliens have been making like this resurgence in the news like this resurgence excuse me um in the news and in the government spheres of communication we're talking about aliens again the life from other planets, unidentified aerial phenomena where ships are operating be beyond our normal understanding of accepted performances. I don't know, man. I, I, I was always a Carl Sagan guy. I was like, the, the odds of life on other planets is 100%. Like, it's out there. The galaxy is infinite. Even if the, the probability is 0.0001%, it is still 100% probable because the universe is... Yeah, given an infinite universe, then, you know, what and, are the odds? Yeah, and, and look, like, we, we have the ability to move things incredibly fast, right? And we haven't developed the, the technology to um, move human beings that fast, but just think about it. They could develop something like a gravitational pull in a small spaceship that would protect you from the forces of gravity... Certainly, that's possible. Um, yeah, you need Star Trek inertial dampeners. That's that's what yeah, we need. Yeah, I mean, honestly, something so dense that going a spaceship that runs on magnets could actually alleviate the gravitational pull because it would develop its own gravitational pull, which may or may not make me sound insane Tim. to the WYSL audience. But yeah, I mean, we're we're gonna have to end on on that note, uh, Tim. <laughs> bonkers, because we are out of time. And if you want to hear him continue the ramble on, you're gonna have to listen to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us here on A3 Solution. We're going to call it a night, folks. So anyway, Tim, you were um, theorizing Ranting. about magnets. Um, well, so <laughs> gravitational pull and magnetics and dense like okay we have black holes black holes exist right so they they operate they operate outside of the normal bounds of gravitational uh, theory as we understand it but certainly we could develop some sort of not we could develop it could have been developed or it could exist an element that allows for a a ship to develop its own 
inertial gravity center, which is arguably what happens in Star Trek when they're going warp 10, right? Many times at the speed of light, they have to do something with gravity or would tear the people inside apart, right? Even if the ship, even if they built the ship out of materials um, that could survive that kind of speed. Right. Yeah, when they're accelerating even through subspace or going through, um, yeah. you know, under impulse, right? Like any acceleration would squish them. Right. Or, or acceleration in either direction. Mm-hmm. Um starting or stopping even, uh, yeah, so even in outer space that kind of acceleration would would squish people against the wall right it would turn them into to, yeah right i mean like think about how many like you know geez like uh a pilot is under on earth when they're going just you know a few hundred miles an hour right now, now you're doing fractions of a speed of light okay yeah like you're, you're gonna get squished which is why like occasionally when when i'm watching star trek I'm like our initial dampeners are out and they kind of like jump around a bit it's like no you guys would be pudding like you just you guys would be human pudding absolutely kevin i watched one of the older star treks i've watched all of the star treks but i watched some of the older stuff and i can remember when they were experiencing some sort of turbulence it compared to the modern special effects that we use it was literally hilarious there was like 20 people falling around the brig like in different directions based on some sort of uh, outside force being put on the ship and it was just like, it was. And then are the panels blowing up and stuff? Yeah, it was yeah. so. It was hilarious. And then I kind of got wondering, was it supposed to be funny because it was that bad? But back then it worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it worked. I mean, it's still it's still fun too. Like I, okay, like the special effects and like, uh, even like of course the original series, which sometimes are like hilarious to the point of being distracting. Yeah. Like the, the original Gorn is like just funny looking like go, go look up like Kirk fights the Gorn just hilarious green like lizard monster um but even like in in next gen and in like uh deep space nine they're not that like the effects aren't that good right that's but true. like it's they... fine it's about storytelling like and that's like what I appreciate about like the it, there's a bunch of episodes of like discovery which I'm going through right now like there's some better ones in a later season but like the early seasons especially like and, and in Picard too it's like they they setting the woke stuff aside for a minute like they they put a lot of emphasis on like big battles and special effects and like this action happening but like you're missing out on like the character driven stories that actually made it interesting and that that's what why i think those shows are really not living up to the legacy of star trek anyway i want to go on a rant on that i was you know bringing it back to the politics and and in in magnets how they work uh did, did you hear the the weird thing trump was was saying he, he was talking about this uh electric catapult and he's like think of it magnets now all i know about magnets is this give me a glass of water let me drop it on the magnets that's the end of the magnets uh, look no i didn't hear that but like- <laughs> he just says weird stuff all the time man him and joe biden both like it's it's a it's both of them but like i see clips like that and like what what the what the hell is he talking about? So look, that the, the system has generated Joe Biden and Donald Trump as the front runners for the, the most important office, regardless of what real amount of power they should have or shouldn't have. That's what the system has generated. Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Like I hear Ron DeSantis is going to drop out of the race. Then it's going to be. Nikki Haley versus Vivek Ramaswamy, and what they're both vying for 
vice presidential ticket with Donald Trump. Like it's yeah. wild. It's wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it we, is. You, uh, anyway. Somebody was asking on Twitter, Kevin, and since we're not in the radio show, I'm going to be completely unprofessional. Um, somebody was asking on Twitter, like, where can they go to make comments on, on this? Because I could pick them up off of Twitter, but they don't show up on our stream yard. And so I was going to give them the YouTube link. They don't want to go on Facebook. It would be a, He would be another great. He would say some obnoxious stuff, but it would be fun. <laughs> so if we have a YouTube link for... For my friend Colonel Angus on Twitter, that would be great. Uh, yeah, we can we could find that. Um, you know, just uh, just, you have to look look up a free solution. Look, at, we we got a live show going on there. You look at the channel. It's uh, uh I gotta I gotta find our, our live broadcast. I'll, how's it how's it work? If I can, I don't know. Good question. I think we have. Oh, there it is, right there. We're live. I'm gonna go hit view on YouTube. If I get lost, guys, I'll be back. Uh, is that, Tim, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you the link. You can send it to them. This, okay, this is the live link. Um. So anyway, yeah. I mean, that, it's. I know Twitter's kind of weird. Uh, we, we appreciate you, Twitter audience. It's just that we, we can't do. see if you replies to stuff until like guys, after. Check it out. We get like. like hundreds of views on on twitter well literally hundreds maybe even a thousand sometimes so like this show is not a complete loser show like we're getting views. <laughs> we're getting views on twitter and we because tim has that blue check. audience like we're yeah. actually huge compared to a lot of libertarian podcasts like we're 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 like mammoth we're monster i don't think you guys appreciate just how what kind of heavyweights we are <laughs> Kind of a big deal, Tim saying. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> um, I we should probably end on that note. <laughs> no, we should we we should end on that note. I mean, I, although I, I feel like we usually go for, for a bit longer, but I I have to edit this tonight, and yeah, uh, yeah I got a busy day tomorrow, so yeah, we'll we'll, we'll call it at goodness uh, an hour nine, and we'll be back next week with more exciting content and brian watching uh deep space nine right now deep space nine is the best star trek say it like it's that's that's my favorite one i i love them all um they, they like look they certainly there's this over overwhelming like socialist narrative but like let's be honest like if if they didn't have that like food synthesizer they would need to go back no, to all right and that all right so listen all right Wait again. This is this is a Star Trek podcast, but but there's there's a a libertarian episode of Deep Space Nine, and 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 Brian, I don't know how far you're into you are, but there's there's an episode. I think it's called like the, it's like the the material con continuum or something like that. It's an episode about Nog, right? So Nog, who's um one of the Ferengi, and Deep Space Nine is remote enough where they can't always replicate all the stuff that they need, right? So right. there is, they're not truly a post scarcity society, and so like uh, O'Brien, Miles O'Brien needs some sort of part that like can't be replicated on station, so he's got to go look around for it. And Nog, like, 
negotiates and trades and barters his way to figure stuff out. And he's like, look, this is just, he's like, this is just capitalism. We still got to do this. We still got to trade. We still have markets. And he just like <laughs> figures out the value of different stuff and what people want and how he can like, you know, create extra value by giving different things to different people. And he finds a way to get the stuff that he needs. And it's, it's like a great episode uh, well, that Bob like always kind of a hero in so many different situations, even though his greed would sometimes overwhelm him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and Nog ends up kind of like buying the full, like, uh, you know, uh, like Federation, like message, uh, Starfleet message. Uh, I mean, like, obviously there's, um, you know, Rom who becomes a union guy and then um, Quark, who's like the full, like bad guy capitalist, even though like, I don't know, Quark's still a lot of fun too. Sure. Sure. The Frankies were fun. Like, you know, that was good. Deep Space Nine. That was probably. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking for like libertarian politics, you, usually Star Trek's not the place to look, though. They're they're preaching, but very preachy about being socialist. Absolutely, man. Like, Absolutely. They, like there's, there's like a whole thing in like <clears> the <throat> second or third episode of Star Trek where like Picard goes on a, a thing about how we've eliminated greed and want and blah, 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 uh, blah, 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 blah. I did like the battle with the board. Uh, the, yeah, like, there's good stuff in there. Really, standing against the the hive mind, and that I I I did really feel that, and I did really enjoy that. Yeah, uh, but anyway, all right, we I, I won't I won't take up too much time on on Star Trek. I could I could turn that to a whole other podcast. Yeah, we're nerds. Um, we're Star Trek nerds. But... We're, 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 Kevin and I are so well rounded. That's another thing I want people to understand. It's just like I don't know impulse. We put it out there. We're well read. We've watched all the Star Treks. <laughs> I don't I have. Know. I don't know if that's important enough, but I don't know. It's it's important. Some of the stuff's good. Justin Mosh likes Star Trek too, and is it's watched all of them beginning to end. So you know, it's yeah. Hey, this is this is a thing libertarian nerds do sometimes, right? And some of them are pretty good. They got some good themes in them. Yeah, absolutely. We we find libertarian theory where it presents itself. Yeah, we'll have to do anyway. a show on on that someday, right? Like libertarian theory caught on TV, or yeah, you know, no, that's a good idea. So, f folks listening right now, either on the the podcast or on the the live version, uh, send us your ideas for that. Like, show show us what we should talk about because we, we should we should definitely do like a a good evergreen show uh, on some of that stuff. Just do Honestly, like a, a fun like, pop huge, culture, like multi be fun show if you think yeah, about it. be fun. We, yeah. Because well, we usually do so many policy focus shows. We'll, we'll, we'll do a fun one every once in a while. I think for we sure. Yeah. All right. Send us your idea. Send, send, well, let, let's do individual episodes or like different books and stuff like that uh, or, or movies, whatever. Send, send us what you think and, and we'll, we'll do a show on, on some of that stuff. Um, I'm going to need I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a couple like backup shows when when I have kid number two anyway because yeah. i might have to be out for a, a little bit but yeah I, I, look i've read a massive amount of books that eventually led me here right philosophically um i even studied philosophy and economics in college like somehow i got here right and there were messages that that imparted cognitive dissonance in my brain where it's like 
and sure, I've gone a little too far sometimes when I'm like, oh, they are all lying to us and they are all taking our rights and they are all getting rich off of us. But that's there's there's more to the libertarian story than that, right? To get to where you want people to have freedom, to be cool to each other, freedom to do what they want, and and freedom to come up with their own ideas. Like, that's what we're about. So I, yeah. I, I think it has a lot of potential. Heck yeah. All right. Well, on that note, send us your stuff. I I see some folks are already thinking about it. Uh, We're going to call it a night. Have a great night, folks. Take care. A free solution 